The word of God will last forever. The truth upon its pages always will remain. The word of God will never fail you. Its timelessness is sure and it always will endure. The word of God is a light unto my path. Though the strongest men will fail, God's word will last. Though nations rise and fall, God's word outlives them all. It will stand the test of time, for its author is divine. I will proudly call it Satan tries to stamp it out or to change it all about. But like a mighty fortress, it stands the battle's rage. The laws of earth may crumble or change with fallen man. But with each change, God's word remains while kingdoms fade away. The word of God is a light unto my path. Though the strongest men will fail, God's word will last. Though nations rise and fall, God's word outlives them all. It will stand the test of time, for its author is divine. I will proudly call it mine, the word of God. Though nations rise and fall, God's word outlives them all. for God's word and the firm foundation that it gives us upon which we can build a life. Society, laws change, God's word remains the same, and thank God for that. Hey, good to see you out on this Wednesday night. Glad you made it out, and a good group in consideration of the group that is downstairs as well, and I'm glad there's somebody up here, that everybody didn't volunteer tonight to uh, go downstairs and there was nobody left, so thanks, thanks for coming. It's good to see you. Uh, we're going to be in the book of Colossians tonight. If you have your Bible, or if you have your Bible, rather, take it, please, and turn with me to Colossians. So New Testament, towards the back, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and you'll come to Colossians. And then in just a moment, we're going to read in chapter 2 and, and uh, several verses out of chapter 2. While you're finding your place, let me just... Britt, it's, uh, it's in the nursery, babe. Okay trying to communicate and talk, doing two things at one, 
once doesn't work. I mean, a minute ago when I messed up the words on the song, if my brain has, like, if, if I get thinking about something else while I'm singing, if anything else enters the brain, then there's only one thing that happens at a time. That's it. So I'm talking to you. That's all I'm knowing. That's all I know right now. Nothing else. <laughs> nothing else. So when there's people walking around and stuff, it kind of throws off the old concentration. And my wife was trying to ask me a question while I was trying to talk, and she knows I can't do two things at once. <sighs> The life, the life. Okay, Colossians chapter number two. Oh, while, while you're find, finished finding your place, I'm just going to mention today that um, I, we, we just, we've enjoyed our time with you all. Of course, the interaction and fellowship, we enjoy getting to talk with you and chat with you. And, and some of you, we've not yet had the opportunity to have more than three words with. And so it's not, um, it's not because we don't enjoy talking. So please feel free to come up and introduce yourself or say hello and uh, chat a little bit. Usually we stick around after the service up towards the front um, and so if you want to have a conversation come on up and, and we'll we'll gladly stay as long as you'd like to and talk um, today this afternoon actually we got to take advantage of um, your property in the sense of we got out a huge tarp that you guys have in a closet down there uh, in the pavilion and put it on the hill and then I had some Dawn dish soap and we spread it all over the tarp and then we got some water and put it on and the boys had a blast. Actually, Pastor Lundy's um, girls came over and a little bit slip and slide. Um, Seth or Samuel yesterday had a little bit. He woke up in the middle of the night with a little bit of a croup, um, a cough, and it's just a it's just a cold that's hit him. It's nothing. It's not the other. Um, so I thought to myself, uh, uh, I shouldn't, I mean, it's, it's the water and it's a little bit windy. I really shouldn't, but I'm going to. So Samuel, Samuel came out and he's my pocket rocket anyway. He's the guy that, that likes to go. He wants to do whatever it is that's going to be done. He wants to do it, especially if it's fun and, and it gets him out of any schoolwork. That's what he wants to do. And so he did a penguin slide all the way down the hill on this tarp where he put his hands behind him, his feet up, and just on his belly, just all the way down. And it was loads of fun. And you're wondering, but the Tim, did you get out there and do it? What are you thinking? There's no way in the world I'm going to do that in this wind and cold and cold water. And uh, if I get, if, if they get hurt, it's like a two-hour recovery time. If I get hurt, it's two weeks. And so there's no, there's no way. But they had a blast. So uh, thanks for allowing us to not only enjoy your fellowship, but also to enjoy your property. And uh, we really have been having a great time. And uh, of course, in the services as well. Okay, let's get, let's get to the reason why we've gathered together tonight. Colossians chapter two, and we're going to begin reading in just a moment in verse six. Now, before we read, beginning in verse six, we're going to go all the way down through verse ten. Before we do that, however, let me just kind of um, bring you along on what it is that's taking place here in this letter that has been written. You're aware, I'm sure, that um, an epistle is a letter that was written by an apostle. Somebody said one time an epistle is the wife of an apostle, and that's not the way it works. Epistle is a letter that was written by an apostle, and many of the books of the New Testament are just exactly that. Several of the apostles wrote either to a different church or to individuals, and they would write instructing them. The apostle Paul was used by God to pen much of what we have in the New Testament. Of course, he had the privilege of having time 
time with the Lord Jesus after Christ had already ascended and gone back to heaven. The, the Apostle Paul was taught directly by the Lord, and then he wrote down a number of important doctrinal truths. And Paul's responsibility was to either help start churches or else, in some cases, Paul would write to different churches and help them in their doctrine, in their understanding, and help them to become everything that God would have them to be. Now, many of the times that Paul wrote letters, he wrote in order to correct issues that were going on in the church. So Paul would either hear from somebody or else he would visit and he would see things that were going on, and then um, he would leave and go to another area, and he would find out that things still weren't taken care of the way they should be. And so Paul would write these letters, and in the letters that he wrote to these churches, Paul would say, look, guys, this stuff shouldn't be going on this way. What you're doing isn't right. The way you're doing this isn't right. You need to come back to what I taught you already. Remember how I said when I was with you, this is what needs to happen. Think about the righteousness of Christ. Think about the goodness of God. Think about what God expects and live your life in accordance. This is what's right. This is what's good. Here's what we know, and here's how your life should reflect what it is that we know. And Paul would write and correct issues. Sometimes he got very um, in the face if you can do that in a letter, he got in the face of the people he was writing to. For instance, in Corinthians, Paul wrote to this church, and he says to them, look, there are things going on amongst you all that aren't even named among the Gentiles. Sins going on in the church that aren't even named among the Gentiles. You guys either take care of it, or else I'm going to come. And when I come, I'm not going to come with a smile on my face. I'm going to come with a rod in my hand, and I'll take care of it. And he writes with this kind of attitude in order to correct things. And that wasn't unusual, and it wasn't a bad thing. By, by the way, just as a quick aside, don't, don't, don't stick up your dukes if pastor or a visiting preacher ever comes in, and perhaps God does help them to become aware of something that scripturally, biblically ought to be addressed. I'm not talking about someone who takes the Bible out of context in order to try to bring you into bondage under a law that you were never supposed to be under, but I mean someone who shows you from the Bible and speaks to you, perhaps even on occasion, in a harsh way and says, look, y'all, this needs to be adjusted. Don't, it's not within our human nature to just go, oh, please, teach me. I get that. But in a heart of humility, knowing that God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble, always come into a service, always come into church, and always be ready to receive rebuttal if necessary. To receive someone who says, okay, look, I've noticed this. And by the way, it may be that God would have you, who are spiritual, Speak to somebody in order to help them along. And if God speaks to your heart and you can do it in the spirit of humility to go to someone where you know something's going on that shouldn't be going on, then don't you be afraid to do what it is that God has called you to do in going to somebody and in a kind, spirit-filled way, phrase, get in their face, that is, rebuke, exhort, with all long-suffering and doctrine, so that, so that they can come along in the way that they should go. That's a good thing, not a bad thing. Now, all of that I've said to let you know, that's not what happens in, in the letter that we're going to read from tonight. The letter to the Church of Colossae is interesting. It does deal with some doctrinal issues, 
In fact, some very important ones in the passage we're going to look at. But the tenor of the letter that we're going to read from in a moment is very much, hey, you guys are doing well. You guys are doing great. Excellent. Good job. Well done. Now, let me help you. Let me help you in increasing. Let me help you in continuing. Let me help you to be everything that God would have you to be. And that's what the Apostle Paul does in the letter to the church that's in the city of Colossae, this letter, Colossians. And in chapter 2, beginning in verse number 6, is really the heart of the instruction that he gives. So this is Paul's guidance for a good church. It's his instruction for increase. And I, I want you, I think it's appropriate, because I'm speaking to a group on Wednesday night, that, that um, you're tired, but you're here. You wouldn't have to be here, but you've come. You have at some level interest in what it is that God has for you. I trust at some level you have interest. Now, there may be some who are here for different motives, but I'm going to guess that most are here going, okay, I need something. I would like something. I want to serve God. I want to please God. So this is appropriate that we look at this tonight. Verse 6 says this. As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him rooted and built up in him, established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. Verse 9. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. Now let me pray and then let's look together at this guidance. Father, please help me tonight to be able to just clearly explain what your word says. I pray that you would certainly refrain me from adding or taking away. I do not want to do that. I want to just say what you have said. And Lord Jesus, it's obvious that in this passage you are magnified. We see, we see you... This, this passage, these verses are just drenched in you. They're all about you. They surround you. So may that be the sense that is received as I speak. I pray that everybody here would have ears to hear and a heart to receive. Those who are struggling with being tired, and I know it's, it's legitimate, Lord, please help them. Help them as they fight to keep their brain engaged. I pray that you'd help me to say things in a clear and in a succinct way. If there are illustrations that would help, then Lord, um, help me to use those so that we can get, gain understanding and live in light of this truth so that we can be, Father, everything that you want us to be so that we can be used by you to do what it is that you've called us to do, what you've left us on this earth to do. Give us a heart, dear God, for that which is eternal and give us uh, hands that are willing to work and be a part of your eternal work and involved and invested in the kingdom that lasts forever. In the name of Jesus Christ, I ask these things of you, Father. Amen. Colossians 2, verse number 6. We're just going to walk through the passage tonight, beginning at verse 6 and going through. I will make note real quickly of verse 9 and verse 10, because verses 9 and 10 are the culmination of what we're going to actually take time to look at in the first three verses of the passage we read. Verse 9 reminds us that in him, you see it, or, for in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. The in him is speaking of Jesus Christ, and it talks about Jesus Christ and the fact that he is deity, 
and that in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead body. There's not just a part of him, but it's in him fully. And then verse number 10, um, I especially like, we'll, we'll mention it again at the end of the sermon, that ye are complete, you're made perfect, you're made mature in him, which is the head of all principalities and powers. Now verse 10 is a great reminder of the fact that uh, Jesus Christ is over all things. Knowing that going into verse number uh, six, rather, is helpful. Look at verse number six, and I'm going to give you the reference, and then I want you to tell me the very first word of verse six after I say the reference. Here we go. Colossians 2, 6. Ooh. Class, we will start all over at the beginning of the sermon if you don't participate. All right, let's try it one more time. I'll give the reference. You give the very first word. Here we go. Ready? Colossians 2, 6. All right, as. The word as means in the same way or in the same manner. Now, the emphasis of verse number 6 is this. As he have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord. So the whole point is Paul is writing to a group of people who have received Christ Jesus the Lord. And Paul is saying, look, just like he received Christ Jesus the Lord, and then he gives the instruction. And this is the instruction. This is the guidance. This is the hook that Paul is putting out to try to grab this church at Colossae and pull them along, and I'll do the same thing. Look, in the same way that you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so continue, so walk ye in him. That is, continue in this living in Christ, this walking in Christ. Now that begs the question then, how does a person receive Jesus Christ? So let me ask you, how does a person receive Jesus Christ? Let, let me give a verse and you fill in the blank, all right? For by grace are ye saved through? Okay, listen. There is no way to receive Jesus Christ but by, but by faith. That is, trusting that what God says is so, and depending on him to do what he says he will do. That's what faith is. Faith is a believing that what God says is so, and it brings me to the place where I depend on him to do what it is he, he says he will do. Um, take, take salvation. Um, Jesus Christ is the son of the God. Let me ask you a question. Is there any way biologically to prove this? Can you take a drip or a drop of blood, rather, from Jesus Christ, put it under a microscope, and somehow see deity in the DNA? Well, obviously not. So that there's no what we call empirical proof. There's no proof in a biological sense, in a scientific sense, that Jesus Christ is who he claimed to be. And yet we are convinced that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Why? Because we accept it by... Faith, a faith that is founded upon the Word of God. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. You see proofs of Christ's deity. You see it in this passage explained that Jesus Christ is the fullness of the Godhead bodily so that though we cannot see it and for what it's worth, it's not even something that in our minds we can totally wrap our heads around regarding the Trinity and how all of that operates. It's our best understanding of what we see in the scriptures, but we accept it by Okay, by faith, so that we receive Jesus Christ by faith. The Bible says that the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, God's son, was shed for paying for our sins. Okay, again, let, let me ask you, 
Is there any way for us, for me, to somehow prove in a laboratory that Christ's blood has a detergent that can wash sin out of the soul and life of a person? Well, obviously not. But does Christ's blood and the work of Christ on the cross, does that take care of sins of those who trust in him? Yes or no? Okay, how do you know that? Because you have received it by by faith. We believe that what God says is so, and when the Bible says that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, we take it by faith. We step out in faith and say, I'm trusting Christ to do for me what I cannot do for myself. I am convinced of what the Bible says. I am trusting Christ to do for me what I cannot do. So that the way a person receives Jesus Christ, enters into this relationship with Jesus Christ, is they enter into it by by faith. Okay, so follow, follow the logic line here in Colossians 2, 6. As you therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, this is all about Jesus, and you receive Jesus Christ by, don't make me start all over, you receive Jesus Christ by faith, now, Paul says, now, in the same manner, in the same way, continuously, Walk, walk in him. What is that about? It's about living by faith. In who? Jesus Christ. See, it's not a matter of, in the first part of verse number six, you trusted Jesus Christ and you entered into a relationship with Jesus Christ by faith. Now, you live by faith, but what that means is you just do right. It's not what it means. Just like you trusted Christ for your salvation to enter into that relationship, listen, now as a child of God, in this relationship, live by faith in Christ Trust that what God says is so, but depend on Jesus to do in and through you everything that you're supposed to do. It's not a matter of I no longer have to worry about doing right, but neither is it I have to do right, and if I fall down, I pick myself up by my bootstraps and just continue on. Both of those are misunderstandings of the life in Christ. Living in Faith in Christ is. I know what God says. I believe that what he says is so. What he says I'm supposed to do, but I trust Jesus Christ to give me the ability to do what it is that I'm supposed to do. When Christ said, I will send my comforter, he will guide you into truth. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to help you. I'm going to instruct you. I'm going to a enable you. What Jesus Christ is saying is, I am going to be with you always. I will empower you. I will enable you. So live your life by faith and live it by faith in Christ. Okay. Now, living by faith in Christ to do the things that God says for us to do. I mean, I trust that what God says is right. What he says about, about everything, what he says about family, what he says about finance, what he says about raising kids, what he says about, uh, about what is right and what is wrong. All of that, I trust that what God says is so, and I can trust Christ to give me the power, to give me the ability to do what it is I'm supposed to do. Living by faith is all fine and good as long as it's something that I am comfortable with. 
but faith becomes, uh, faith grows teeth when it comes to something where I know myself to be either weak or totally unable. Let me see if I can illustrate it to make it make sense. Stick with me, please. If, if I lost you on that statement, we'll, we'll get back to it. Stay with me. Okay. Some people, by, um, by personality, and then aided by the Holy Spirit after salvation, are very much giving people shirt off their back. If you need it, they know it. They want to give it. So that when somebody with that personality who's also been aided by the Holy Spirit along reads in the Bible, give and it shall be given unto you. And they're going to step out in faith and trust that God will do what he says he will do. That, that's an easy step of faith. That's like, a, oh yeah, yeah. Um, not, not, only, not only am I glad to do that, but I've experienced that God does take care of things. Yes, God always has. And living by faith about that, hey, that's not a problem. Now, for some people, if you are a, okay, I've got to see how everything is going to work out. It's got to, it's got to line up on the graph. It's got to fit in. And if it doesn't fit in exactly, then, oh. In that kind of person, when the Holy Spirit of God pricks your heart about giving, then faith grows teeth. Because you can't always see how it's going to turn out in the end. That's part of, that's part of faith. Uh, remember, you remember Peter and the disciples when they were on the boat and Jesus comes walking across the water? And um, John says to Peter, or whoever says to Peter, Peter, I think that's the Lord. And so Peter yells out, Lord, um, is that you? And, and yes, and if, if that's you, then bid me come to you on the water. And then Peter's worst nightmare when the Lord actually says, okay, Peter, come on. So Peter steps out of the boat, and he begins to walk across. Now, sometimes we make a big deal about it, the fact that Peter began to sink when he saw the waves, right? Huh? But Peter got out of the boat. The point is, you and I probably would not have. So sometimes faith has teeth to it when it goes outside of our comfort level. Let me, let me give you a for instance. Is sharing the gospel something that the Lord would have us do biblically? Yes or no? So the Great Commission is, look, while you're living, while you're going, let people know about me. Has, has your heart ever been pricked about giving the gospel to somebody in particular? Like you've seen them or you know them and you thought, man, I really should. I need to give them the gospel. I don't, I don't mean just when a, a preacher gets up and does his best to make you feel badly about it. I mean when you're just, you're just thinking or praying and, and it comes to your mind, ah, okay. But for some of us, the thought of stepping out, and I know, I believe what God says is so, and Jesus Christ, in talking about going and sharing, said, I'm going to be with you, I'm going to help you. But we go, but, oh, I am so uncomfortable with that. Well, all of a sudden, faith has teeth 
to it. Okay, but the point is, this is all part of living by faith. And the Apostle Paul, in writing to a group of good Christians, says, look, remember, you received Jesus Christ. And you received him how? You received him by, by faith. Now, walk in him in the same way. Live your life in this relationship with Christ in faith. That is, just trust that Christ can do through you everything he says he will. Trust Christ even when you don't feel it in your belly, even if you can't see it with your eyes, even if it doesn't make sense on paper. If God reveals to you by his spirit or through his word that there is a step you're supposed to take, then friend, if we're going to continue to follow on to know God and to do what God would have us to do and be what God would have us to be, then we have to live lives of faith. And don't think to yourself, well, I've just got to... I've just got to work myself up into an emotional frenzy and just, just make myself go do it. Okay, sometimes stepping out in faith has got to be scary. Peter out of the boat had to be a scary step. Had to be. But the point is, Peter didn't keep himself up on the water, did he? Nobody reads about Peter walking on the water and go, wow, Peter is so strong. I want to be like Peter when I get old. No, Peter stayed on the water because of who? Okay. And Peter experienced the power of Christ. Why? Huh. Because he heard what was said, and in a step of obedience, he put his dependence on Christ to do exactly what Jesus Christ said he would do. For some of us, opening our mouth to our family member about Jesus Christ would feel like the equivalent of walking on water. But Peter did. And you could too if Jesus said it. If I say to this mountain, be cast in the sea, and I have a mustard grain of size of faith, well, does that mean that I can just remove trees and mountains out of my... The point, the point is not that I make myself believe hard enough. The point is, if God says it, I trust him, I step in obedience depending on him to do what, it's, what he says he will do. Do you see how this works? Okay, listen, there is no way to continue on in doing what God would have us to do. We cannot, I heard tonight, pray during the offering, which I appreciated. We want to be a part of the eternal kingdom. We want, we want to be invested and involved in it. Well, forgive me. You, you, can, you, can pray, you can pray that all day long, but nothing happens of eternal value unless Jesus Christ is involved in it. Without me, you can do nothing, Jesus said. And the way that Jesus Christ gets involved in it is when we step out in faith. That is, we trust that what he says is so. So then, then Paul goes on to explain in the next verse. I want you to see this because this is important. 
the danger is to hear what I've just said and turn it into what a lot of religions, a lot of churches have, which is, hey, you just believe hard enough, you just believe strong enough, and whatever you believe, then you're going to receive it. If you can believe it big enough and strong enough, then God can do it. God's a big God, and he can do whatever he wants to do, and God can do whatever you want him to do because you have enough faith, and if you have enough faith, you can say to the mountain, you can say to the tree, you can curse the tree, you can do whatever you need to do, you can have the new car, and that that's what it's turned into. But Paul, Paul, almost like God told him, hey, you better say this because this is what these people are going to think. He tells us how to live by faith in verse 7. Look at this, verse 7. Rooted and built up in him. Who's him? Jesus Christ, because that's who this is about. Here's how you walk by faith. Here's how you live in Christ. Rooted and built up in Christ and established in the as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. So he says, here's how you're going to live by faith. You get rooted and built up in him, in Jesus Christ. Okay, this is all about relationship. Now let me ask you a question. Forgive all the questions tonight, but it's Wednesday night. I've learned as weeks go deeper into them, I have to ask more questions in order to make sure people are staying with me, all right? Um, how do I get rooted into Christ? When I hear root, I think of uh, tree, I think of plant, I think of something that digs down in the ground. How, how in my life, how does that happen? How do I get rooted and built up in Christ? Well, I think the answer is found back in John 1. Don't turn there. But in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. And we have a revelation of what God wants us to know. And this book is all about Jesus Christ. Old Testament points to it. New Testament, all about the Lord Jesus and about his work and what he wants for us. So that if I'm going to get rooted and built up in him, this is about relationship, it has to be as I root and built up in the word of God. So that my acts of faith, my acts of faith depend on my knowing what it is that God wants. So, some of you... All of us have decisions that we make every day of our lives. God has, God has plans. God has desires. God has told us that everything that we need for life and godliness is found in his word. So that if I'm going to live by faith, biblically, it means it can only happen as I'm rooted and built up in Christ. And the Bible says, established in the faith. In other words, when I see what God says, then I get set in it, and I'm not, I'm not going to be like a wave that casts back and forth. I'm, I'm going to be set. I'm going to be established in the faith as I've been taught, abounding in this with thanksgiving. The, the, point, the point is, living by faith involves a a reading, an understanding, a digging into a relationship with Jesus Christ that can only happen as I dig into his word, as I see who he is, as I understand. It's one of the reasons why it's so important that we spend time in the scriptures, why it's so important that I listen when the Bible is preached. Um, I've gotten in the habit in the last little bit of, of when, I, when I'm going somewhere, traveling somewhere by myself, not, not with my family, but if I'm driving somewhere, then I'll start, I've started listening to sermons where, they just, where they're explaining, preaching the Bible. Why? Because I, I need that for my relationship with Christ and for my understanding of what Christ wants so that I know how I can live by, by faith. 
believing that what he says is so, and stepping out. You know, it's interesting. If you read, if you read the Gospel of Matthew, you will read in the first several chapters miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle that Christ did. Raising the dead, healing the lame, touching the blind eyes, causing the deaf to be able to hear. People brought back to life. And then Jesus goes back to his home city and the Bible says that he could do not much there because of their because of their unbelief, their lack of faith. In other words, Christ could not, would not work because people who should have seen him and what he did and believed on him thought, man, this is just, this is Joseph's son. We know his mom, we know his brothers. Who is this? And they could not see him for who he was, or they would not see him for who he was, and they never experienced the great power of Christ. And I wonder how many times, I wonder how many times we who have grown up in church, and we're second and third generation churchgoers, and we've trusted Christ as Savior, but as far as eternal work, as far as kingdom work is concerned, we're not really involved. There's not really much happening. And the reason why is because we've not connected with Christ on the level of who he actually is and what he can really do through us. We've, got, we've gotten good at playing our part. We do church. We do it well. We smile. I mean, unless you're wearing a mask, then you don't have to. But we smile. And we, and we shake hands and we know how to, how to have conversation. But living by faith is the only way that we're going to move forward, living by faith in Christ specifically. And Paul here says the way it happens is to get rooted and built up in him, establishing the faith. And then um, quickly, he gives a warning. Verse 8. In verse number 8, he gives a warning. He says, beware, watch out. Hey, heads up, careful. Hey, 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 careful, careful, careful. Beware lest any man, next word, Spoil you. Spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit. Uh, is it after the tradition of men? Is that next? After the rudiments of the world and not after Christ? So he gives this warning. Beware lest any man spoil you. You guys know what spoiling is? How many grandparents do we have? Okay. When we, when we think of spoiling, we often attribute all spoiling to grandparents, right? This is, this is the way it works. And oftentimes, I think it almost helps, it almost causes us to think of spoiling in the wrong sense. We think of spoiling as like giving a lot. We spoil, we spoil our grandkids because we give them everything we want. When in reality, spoiling means taking away, not, not giving. Um, so the idea, even in grandparent language, is a uh, parent raising their child does everything they can to teach their child things that are right. Um, eat your vegetables. Um, before you can have dessert, and don't jump on furniture, and make sure you clean up your mess before you go play with something else. And parents teach their children, and they work hard pouring themselves into their children, teaching these good traits, and then they send them off to grandma and grandpa for a week. And while they're with grandma and grandpa, um, grandma says, hey, um, we're going to have supper in about 20 minutes, but why don't you have a cookie just to hold yourself over? And hey, let's pull, let's pull all of the cushions off the couch and we'll just jump, we'll all jump together. It'll be fun. And don't worry about cleaning it up. Grandma will get it later. You just go outside and play. And so that what they do, grandparents, is they, they rip all of the good things we try to put into our children out. 
and they replace it with wicked, evil, <laughs> terrible, stinking things. Okay, but spoiling, maybe it'd be more helpful to think of spoils of war, where you take, and that's what it is, you, you're, you take, so the Bible here, no, no, this, is, this is serious. Beware, lest any man spoil you. Lest you get pulled out of that which is right. Lest that which is good and right be pulled from you and be replaced with things that are not right through philosophy. Um, did you know that there are smart people who don't believe the Bible? And did you know it's possible for believers to be influenced? Beware. This is just a aside for what it's worth. This is one of the reasons why I think it's important to at least consider if you're going to send your kiddos off to college to send them someplace where they're going to hear the where they're going to hear the Bible, or else stay right on top of everything that's going on in school. I don't I don't know what public schools are like here. I'm going to guess it's a fairly conservative area. It might be a little bit better than what it is in other places, but I will I will. Oh, man, I, I would struggle hard to stay on top of things because to put, to put my mind or the mind of my child under the teaching of people who, who are totally against everything that God is about, I don't, want, I don't want them to be spoiled. I don't want them to be taken out of the faith, to be removed from following after the Lord through philosophy or vain Deceit, vain deceit, empty lies. What's promised um, that cannot be performed? Think, um, think pornography. Pornography promises what it cannot actually give. It promises satisfaction and it can't. Watch out. Don't be taken for spoil by this vain deceit. Uh, after the rudiments of the world, after the building blocks, the thinking, the, the living of the world, uh, and after the tradition of men. That is, well, this is just how we've always done it. Okay, but if how we've always done it isn't according to the scriptures, sorry, kick it to the curb. We're to live by faith. Do you realize, now, we, we have not experienced this, but these people to whom Paul wrote gave up humanly everything. Family ties, their whole process of thinking was many gods, and now they've come to one true God. And Jesus Christ, the only Savior. So, so that he's saying, don't, don't get pulled out of the way by the rudiments, the building blocks, the thinking. What the world says is the way you're supposed to live. Don't get sucked into the world's philosophy. Ah, again, I'm, I'm preaching to people who I think probably most of us are already set on this, but some of you have kiddos, so let me just say it real quickly. You need to... You need to make sure that, that you understand what the Bible says about important issues where society presses against everything that God says is right because your kiddos are going to hear it preached and shoved down their throat all the time. What God says about masculinity and femininity, what God says about marriage, what God says about hard work, 
what God says about things that are eternal and things that are temporal. All of these things are things where we can be easily taken for spoil by the rudiments or the building blocks of this world and not after Christ. Hey, by the way, let me just, okay, again, I try to be super careful because I want the Holy Spirit to be the one to apply the truth of Scripture. But in order to help us see it, let me give you a, a for instance. And I'm not setting up, I'm not setting up a new law by which you're supposed to live. But just think, just think. This warning that's heralded out by Paul, watch out, believers, Watch out. If you're going to live by faith, you watch out lest you be taken for spoil. This is one of the reasons why I think it's so important that we guard our hearts when it comes to the kind of entertainment that we allow to come into our home. And I think this is something that's kind of been put to the side by most, by most people claiming Christ where we say we're free to watch what we want. There's neither good nor evil, which isn't, which isn't true. And while I'm saying, well, I'm not saying, thou shalt us not watch us, whatever, that's not, that's not my place. That's the Holy Spirit's place. It, I, I would be remiss if I didn't just take a minute and mention to you that this is an area where I think Satan gets a foothold because it is through the medium of entertainment that much of the world's philosophy is just hammered and hammered and hammered and hammered and hammered. To the degree that after a while you don't even you don't even recognize it for what it is. Um, if there is a children's movie out, and in the children's movie there's a child, and in the children's movie there's a child and there's a parent, the child will rebel against the parent, and the parent will be wrong, and at the end of the movie, the parent will have to accept the way the child is and everything will be just fine. That is almost every child's movie. And that's just kid stuff. My point is not don't watch anything. My point is just be aware. Keep your eyes open. It would, it, would, it would be better not to and be able to live for eternity. So living, living by faith. And then, and then the Apostle Paul says, For in him, for in Christ, dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And I love this. And ye are complete. You're made mature. You're brought to what you're supposed to be in him, in Christ. This is all about being in Jesus, about loving him, about following his way, about trusting him to do through you what you're supposed to do. And yes, I live aware about the things of this world, but all the same, at the same time, I'm getting rooted and built up, established in the faith as I have been taught. This is all about Jesus Christ and trusting him and following him and depending on him to do it. I step out in obedience going, Lord, you said you were going to. I'm depending on you to do it, and I trust, and I trust him too. And here's the deal. At the end, in verse number 10, when he says, and you're complete in him, the point is, look, Hollywood did not die for you. Jesus Christ did. This world did not give you anything eternal. Jesus Christ did. Your salvation, your mercy, your rescue is because of Jesus Christ, and you're made complete in him. So the deal is, come on, you trusted Christ by by faith. Now, let's walk in him.
Let's walk in Christ the same way, by faith. All right? Father, I love you. Thank you for instructing us in your word um, about how to live and continue following you, to not be taken for spoil. And I pray, dear Father, oh, that you would help us both to be rooted and built up in Christ. Lord Jesus, please help us. And please help us, give us an awareness so that we don't get taken for spoil. And those who, for whom we're responsible, our children, or those upon whom we have some influence, help us, dear Lord, to help them to also be rooted and built up and established in the faith and help us to help them not to be taken for spoil. Give us, please, Lord, spiritual awareness. Help us to be so in tune and so led and directed by your spirit that we can see the lies of Satan and we can see the world for what it is and give us a heart after righteousness. We trust in your grace. We trust in your, in your doing this in us and through us. Help us in our responsibility of stepping forward in it. I ask this, Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, invitation to be very short. It's just this. Before we leave, I think it would be healthy for us each just to take just about 45 seconds and just consider what it is that we've heard and to consider if there is an adjustment that needs to be made perhaps in the being rooted and built up or perhaps in the living a little bit more aware. And perhaps God has, by his spirit, shown you tonight where, where um, you're being influenced, where you're in a place where you could be taken for spoil a little more than um, what you thought, but tonight you see it. Or perhaps you see that you're not being rooted and built up in Christ and the relationship with Christ just needs to be increased, a life uh, relationship rather by faith. So let me have um, let me have Brittany just play through about forty five seconds worth of an invitation hymn, and if God has dealt in your heart tonight, or um, or if you need to just take a minute and allow Christ to speak to you, then let's let's in the stillness of this time just do exactly that. Right where you sit, while Brittany plays. If God's already shown you something, do business with God. If not, then just allow the Holy Spirit to do a little heart searching.
thank you, Father, for, again, giving us your word. And Lord Jesus, I am grateful that you do enable all those who live by faith, that you are with us, that you have um, sent the Spirit so that um, we can have direction and help and enabling. Help us to walk in you, Christ. Father, please help us to live aware of the importance of this truth. In Christ's name I ask. Amen.